Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. This is Joanne Wilson, co-pastor at Cool Church. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message. All right, I got a message. I promise you I won't take long. All pastors say that. I promise. I promise this time. We've been in this series called Cool Summer. And I've been excited about it because I really believe that the summertime is a time of rest. Summertime is a time for restoration. Summertime is a time of reflection. And these are messages that in the hottest time of the year when literally things are heating up on every level, things are heating up uh, uh, politically, things are literally heating up with our weather. There's all kinds of trauma and drama going on all over the world from Haiti to here. You all know everything that is happening. As the world is heating up, I believe that we need to tune into God's spirit more and more because I believe that he wants to refresh us, he wants to restore us, and he wants to speak to us in these troubling times. And that's what Cool Summer is all about. Uh, last week I preached a message called Free to Pray. Shout out to our worship team. Did y'all like that worship kind of uh, vibe we had last week? It was amazing. There's freedom in our praise and your praise restores you. And then the, the, the message that I preached before was a message called running on E. Man, I don't know about you. I get to these moments in life where I feel like I am running on E, but you should never allow your confession to fuel your depression. Amen. Speak life. Today, I have a new thought. In this cool summer series, and if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Kings. This is literally um, uh, like a part two of the very first message I preached in the series Running on E, um, because it takes place after the events of Mount Carmel. It takes uh, place after the events under the broom tree or, or, or the... the um, excuse me, the juniper tree, as it's called in the Bible, where Elijah prayed to God to kill him and take his life. This takes place right after. So this is like a part two of that message that I believe God's going to speak something into somebody's spirit today. So 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 13. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 13. If you're online watching, share this with somebody. Get out your Cool Church app. If you're here or online, all of the notes that I'm about to say right now, they're right on your phone. All you got to do is fill in the blank in certain spots so you don't have to uh, worry about if you miss something that I said, you can go back and check it later. But 1 Kings 19, verses 9 through 13, read like this. There he, he is Elijah, the prophet, went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Is what God says to him. He replied, I, now listen to this. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. You ever felt like you was going through something so bad you was the only one? I'm the only one left, God. Now they're trying to kill me too. Verse 11, the Lord said, oh man, I love this. Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Somebody under that, underline that the Lord is about to pass by. 
See, somebody already know the message. I love it. It says, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came the fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire <laughs> came a gentle whisper. If you're reading the King James Version of that, it says after the fire came a still, small voice. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Today, if you're taking notes in this third part of this cool summer series, I've entitled this message this, a moment of silence, a moment of silence. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for this day. For this is the day that you have made. God, let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, I pray that before the earth began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every person that would be here. You knew each and every person that would watch online. And God, I pray that this will be a message that touches people where they are. I pray that before it's all said and done, God, that you're going to touch somebody that has never felt you before. You're going to speak to somebody that has never heard you before. I pray that they will quiet their spirit enough to hear the still small voice. Open hearts, minds, and ears to be receptive, God. I pray that I lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, I pray that by the time this is said and done, even in this Old Testament passage, I pray that somebody could just see Jesus. God, you also know all the drama that's going on in the world. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Haiti right now. I pray for peace and restoration. Peace and restoration. There's turmoil in so many different nations right now. But God, I pray that even in a moment of chaos, people will quiet their spirit so they can hear the still small voice of the Lord. I pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, everyone said, take about five seconds and give Jesus Christ a shout of praise. Come on. Come on. That's cute, but this is the God that saved you. This is the God that made you. This is the God that does everything for you. Come on. Amen. Man, I'm just so excited to see so many people. I'm so glad they took the blue tape off the chairs. I know my wife uh, mentioned that. We still can't be at full capacity yet. We're at about half capacity is what they'll allow us but guess what in September we get to go back to full capacity and Jesus okay all right all right I can't wait to drop that fall schedule y'all not even ready have you ever I, I, I love school and I love my education but have you ever been in school and you had to do a group project who were you in the group project were you the person that everybody wanted to be in your group because they knew you was going to do all the work or were you the person that was like, please put me in the smart person group so I ain't got to do no work? <laughs> group projects are fun and you, you, you have, group projects are supposed to teach you how to work in a team setting. You don't just do this in school. It happens in jobs as well. Uh, I, I love when, when, when employers invest in their employees and they do like team building activities makes you feel like you're back in high school again and you get you get put on a team one time I was doing this team building activity at a place that I worked and our employers split us up into four different teams 
There were about four different people on each team, and I felt like I was back in high school because I was like, all right, who's on this team, man? Let me see. Let me make sure I get somebody super smart on my team so I can slide by, you know? So as the teams got split up, y'all know me. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a pastor, and pastors, they talk a lot. That's what they do. So I got on the team, and my, my natural leadership capabilities came into play because I got on the team and I started real I started looking at my team and I was like I was you know how you like start like sussing people out on your team I was like you are the weakest link goodbye you know I'm looking at people on my team and I remember a, a word from my old pastor man he always says this makes me laugh he's like if you walk in the room and nobody else is leading you are the leader so I took that to heart I walked in the room, nobody wanted responsibility, so I said, okay, all right, team, we got we to gotta figure out this project, and I just start running my mouth, man. I'm loud. I'm like, all right, we got 20 minutes to take this thing and get it from here to over here. This how we going to do it. I was loud. I was, I was, I was brash, man. I, I had all the bravado. I was like, I'm going to lead this team to victory. Step in behind me, and I will take you to the promised land. I preached like that's what preachers do preachers preach in every situation I'm sure my wife and my daughter get tired of me because I'm trying to preach in every situation so I tried to preach to lead this team so man time is ticking time is ticking and, and after a while I just come up with this real convoluted plan because I'm like man other people ain't leaning in so I'm like alright since I'm the loudest voice I'm the strongest voice I'm gonna lead this team to victory well our time runs out and it is time for us to execute and out of the four teams by the time that it was done I was able to make sure that my team had come in last place <laughs> we came in last place I thought I had that thing figured out I was loud I was bold I thought I had a plan but I made a convoluted plan that did not help my team and there were other teams I realized that their synergy and their teamwork was better than what I had on my team. And what I soon began to see, uh, there was a characteristic on the winning teams. They worked together because everybody's voice was heard. But my team lost because only one member's voice was heard. And as I had to sit in that agonizing defeat, anybody who knows me knows I'm hyper competitive, so I hate to lose. <laughs> see, Leo's like, yup. As I had to sit in my defeat, I heard the voice of the Lord speak as loudly to me as I have probably ever heard it in my life. And he said, Terrence, he called me out by name, he called me my government name, said, Terrence, remember this, the loudest voice isn't always the right voice. The loudest voice or well, the strongest voice isn't always the right voice. Sometimes you got to be willing to shut up and let some of the lower voices speak in order for you to get the victory that you've been looking for. See, I love the Bible and I love God because there's things that are written in this word that are so poetic. In the Bible, it says that God has a still, small voice. God's everywhere at all times. 
God is all-powerful, all-knowing, but he chooses to talk with a still, small voice. 1 Kings 19, 12, the King James Version says, after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. I know too many people that think God is not in their situation because they want to hear God's voice and they want to see God move, but they haven't taken a moment of silence in order to allow him to speak. The reality is God should not have to yell at you. If he truly is the God that is everywhere at all times, then he's close enough to whisper in your ear. It's a still, small voice. You see, Elijah has an issue. And you've heard about the prophet Elijah because I preached about him literally two weeks ago. We know that he defeated the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel by making an altar and allowing the God of the heaven to send literally fire. He rained fire down on that altar in a moment. The prophets of Baal prayed to their God. They cut themselves. They chanted, but they could not light the altar on fire. God, in a moment with one prayer from the prophet Elijah, strikes down the altar and literally incinerates it, licking up every bit of the altar, including the water that had been poured on top it. And here's the thing that, that is amazing. After this, the prophets of Baal, they get slaughtered because they lose to our God or God is all powerful. What happens to Elijah is he has this amazing victory, but Queen Jezebel, who is crazy, says, man, I promise you, I'm gonna kill you, Elijah, for what you have done. You have dishonored my God, you have dishonored my promise. I promise you, I'm gonna kill you. Elijah, now you, you just called down fire from heaven and you're scared of another human. Calls down fire from heaven, scared of another human, he literally, picks himself up and he runs. He runs to the wilderness. The Bible says that he gets to a juniper tree or a broom bush, the same thing, and he literally gets under the tree and prays that God might kill him. Oftentimes, after your greatest victories in private, you will experience your greatest defeats. The man of God that should have been able to poke his chest out about the victory that God got him literally wanted to kill himself. And the the Bible says that God sends an angel of the Lord to him to tell him, man, get some rest. Sometimes, man, the difference between life and death is just a little bit of rest. Some of y'all working so hard, man, just take some rest. I said this the first, listen, some of y'all stressed, so stressed out about something. I don't know what we're going to do. We can't pay these bills. Oh, my husband is crazy. Oh, my wife is crazy. Oh, my 11-year-old thinks she or she knows everything. Oh, this is all my job. Oh, oh, oh. Just go to sleep. Like your problem's still gonna be there tomorrow, but at least you wake up with better perspective. Sometimes you just need to go to sleep. So, so, so the Bible says, God said, hey, go to sleep. And he just, God, I don't know. And he goes to sleep. He wakes up and God has substance for him. He has, he has some hot coals laid out with some nice baked bread on there, has some water. He eats and he says, go to sleep again, you're not ready. See, sometimes like y'all get up too fast. Let's go back to sleep. He gets up, now he's ready. And the Bible says that over the next 40 days and 40 nights, Elijah, he goes to the mountain of God, Mount Horeb. You might know it as Mount Sinai. This is the place that Moses gets the 10 commandments, remember that? 
This is the place where Moses literally uh, uh, talked 40 days and 40 nights. And when he finally gets to the mountain, you know what he does? He goes into a cave. He goes into a cave to complain. Listen to what the Bible says. This is, this is hilarious to me. First Kings 19, 9 through 10. Read this. It says, there he went into a cave and spent the night and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? God told him to go to a mountain. He didn't tell him to hide in the cave. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, listen to, li listen to his response. Like, like, you know you crazy when you try to tell God what you've been doing like he don't know what you've been doing. Look at what he said. I have been very zealous for the Lord God. God, I've been so passionate. God, I've done this. God, I've done that. God don't care what you've done because you couldn't do it without him anyway. God, I've done that. I've been so zealous for the Lord, oh God. The Israelites, them people over there, I was good, but those people, they rejected your covenant. They tore down your altars. They put the prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. These are the kind of lies that you tell yourself when you allow yourself to operate in fear. I'm the only one left. No, you're not. If you keep reading the story, God says, man, I got 7,000 7, more people just like you, just waiting for me. They haven't bowed down to a false God. I got, got 7,000 more just like, you think you don't, listen, man, uh, many times we think because we're going through something that seems unique, we think we're the only one going through it. Live long enough. Everybody's got problems. There is not a human in existence that has not gone through something. I'm not trying to downplay your problem, but everybody's got problems. I can't come to church today, I got problems. No, you need to be in church because this is where the people with problems like to congregate. Everybody's got problems. And Elijah, he goes to this cave and he complains talking about he's the only one that's going through something. And what I think is remarkable is that God never told him to go to the cave. He told him to go to the mountain, but instead he chose to go to the cave and complain. Elijah was complaining in a cave when he should have been having a moment on a mountain. He's complaining in a cave and he should have been having a moment on the mountain. Mount Horeb is called the mountain of God. He should have been on the mountaintop having a moment with God, but he finds himself complaining in a cave. You don't hear nothing else I say, I want you to hear this. Don't allow fear to put you in the wrong place in life. Let this woman tell him that she was gonna kill him. And he has so much fear that what she said will come to fruition instead of going in the mountaintop, he settled on living in a cave. The problem with fear is that fear puts you in a place that you shouldn't even be in the first place. Fear keeps people in the cave of bad relationships that they shouldn't have been in in the first place. Fear keeps people in a cave of low aspirations because excellence scares them. Fear keeps people out of church because they believe that when they come into a house like this, the people that should love them won't ever accept them. Fear keeps people in a cave 
that cripples them when Jesus Christ died to give us life and life more abundantly. So what does God do when we find ourselves in a cave when we should have been on the mountain? You know what God does? Truth be told, the only way that God can get us back to the mountaintop is to shut us up. Because he went to the cave to complain. If you stop speaking fear, God's going to give you a reason to have faith. Here's why you need to take a moment of silence, because you can't hear God's voice until you stop listening to your own. He was in a cave complaining when he should have been on the mountain listening to what God wanted to speak to him. Truth be told, I can say this about myself. I ain't going to talk about y'all today. I'm going to talk about me. I talk too much. You ever felt like that? We talk too much. And I love the Bible because it's so clear about what it says about people that talk too much. But I ain't going to, this is a harsh message, so I ain't going to say this about y'all. I'm going to just say this about me. When you talk too much, the Bible says in Proverbs 10 19, it says, too much talking leads to sin. I'll take it a step further. It doesn't just say too much talking leads to sin. It says, be sensible and keep your mouth shut. See, some of y'all, oh, I thought the Bible was supposed to be nice. Be quiet. No. It says, be sensible. Shut up. Shut up. Why does the Bible literally tell us in one of the Proverbs that King Solomon wrote, the wisest man to ever live, he knew sometimes even if he was the loudest voice, even if he was the strongest voice, he knew sometimes it was important enough for us to shut up and listen to what the Spirit wants to speak to us. And why do we have to shut up? Because I know too many people that have talked themselves out of a victory because they couldn't stop talking negative when God wanted them to declare something positive. There's power, there is life and death in the tongue, but so many of us never live the life because we speak so much death out of our mouth. Shut up. Pastor, you ain't supposed to say that. Shut up. I'm not talking to y'all, I'm talking to me. Shut up. Shut up. Terrence, shut up. Terrence, <laughs> shut up. Don't talk yourself out of a blessing. See, if you don't shut up, just like Elijah, you're going to find out God's going to have to do something to shut you up. Two points and we're going, I promise you. The first is this. God will show himself to shut you up. God will show himself He's petty like that. I think it's funny. Oh, I'm going to show you. God will show himself to shut you up. Look at, look at 1 Kings 19, verse 11. The Lord said, oh, man, I love this. Go out and stand on the mountain. He was in the cave. He says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. I man, I can't read that and not get excited. Go stand out on the mountain. The Lord is about to pass. The Lord is about to pass by? What would you do right now if you knew the Lord's going to pass by your house? Like, what would you do right now if you knew as I was speaking, the Lord was just going to just pass by? Like, the, the, Lord, the Lord is about to pass by? Like, my, my voice changes octaves talking about the Lord. I, I, I wish God would tell me he was passing by. Hey, T, I'm coming. 
I'm, co- I'm coming to your house. I ain't going to nobody. I'm coming to your I'm passing by. You better be ready. Let me tell you something. I love when God passes by because when God passes by, anything could happen. We serve the God of all possibilities. He can do infinitely more than you can ask, imagine, or think. Some of y'all way too chill knowing that the Lord is going to pass by. I hope you came to church today physically because you believe the Lord was going to pass by. When the Lord passes by, people get promotions. When the Lord passes by, Crippled people walk again when the Lord passes by. Blind eyes see again when the Lord passes by. Dead thing comes back to life. When the Lord passes by, you get opportunities you never had before. When the Lord passes by, doors open that have always been closed. When the Lord passes by, people meet Jesus that never met Jesus. When the Lord passes by, anything is possible. When the Lord passes by, your marriage can change. When the Lord passes by your children can change when the lord passes by that doctor's report that they said was terminal is only temporary when the lord passes by anything is possible in jesus name if you believe it say amen i get excited when i know that the lord is passing by But let me ask you a question. What happens when the Lord passes and things don't turn out the way you thought they would? How do you feel? You heard the, man, when God passes by, things happen. But what happens when God passes and things don't turn out the way you thought they would? What if not only do they not look the way that you think they're gonna look but what if God passes by and you still broke I mean we gonna, if we're gonna be real we're gonna read the Bible and be real about it you gotta see all sides of it right like what if he passes by and your family is still a hot mess what if the what if the Lord passes by and the next time you go back to the doctor he says it's still terminal What if the Lord passes by and things don't work out the way that you believe? What if the Lord passes by and things get worse? This is what Elijah had to deal with because God says, go out into the mountain. I'm about to pass by. I'm not making this up. It got worse. When when God told him to pass by, he, he's, he's like, go, go out to the mountain. I'm, I'm going to come by. Elijah should have lived with, with an anticipation. But when he looked out the hole of that mountain, money was not falling from the sky. His enemies were not defeated. When he looked outside, man, things got crazy. They got insane. When God passed by for Elijah... It looked terrible. Look at what 1 Kings uh, 19 11 says. I ain't making this up. He says, hey, I'm about to pass by. Look, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart. Does that sound good to you? I don't want to be around that. Tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. 
Okay. After the wind, so so uh, could you imagine like you standing on this on this on this cliff, you like kind of looking out, and, and you and you just literally see. Has anybody ever seen a mountain be torn apart? I've never seen that. I don't want to see that. That's terrifying. But he looks out and he sees that. And and if that's not bad enough, he says, he says, after the wind, there was an earthquake. Anybody ever been in an earthquake? You don't want to be in one. You don't want to feel the ground shaking. You feel like it's going to open up and you're going to drop in it. He says, he saw a mountain ripped apart. He was standing in an earthquake. But the Bible says, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then if that wasn't bad enough, after the earthquake came fire. So you, <laughs> so you see a mountain be ripped apart right in front of you. You, you trembling in an earthquake and then everything catches on fire. It's, it's like, like drop me in a volcano, man. Like that's crazy. This is, this is literally insane. And this is what Elijah had to see when the Lord was passing by. But it says, but the Lord was not in the fire. I love it because the Bible clearly tells us about wind that rips mountains. It tells us about an earthquake and it tells us about a fire. But you know what I love in all of those? It says the Lord was not in those things. Here's what I want you to catch. The Lord caused those things, but he was not in those things. The Lord caused those things. He was not in those things. Why? Why? Why does God cause those things, but he's not in those things? Because when the Lord's moving in your life, everything gets stirred up. When the Lord's moving in your life, everything gets shaken. When the Lord's moving in your life, nothing will ever be the same as it was before. You see, when God passes by, don't be surprised if you got more haters than usual. He's just stirring things up. When God passes by, don't be surprised if your children start acting psychotic. He's just stirring things up. When God passes by, don't be surprised if it seems like your marriage is in trouble. He's just stirring things up. When God passes by, don't be surprised if your boss starts cutting up at work and acting brand new because they just got in that position even though you've been at the job longer than them and they're trying to tell you how to do the job that you know how to do. God's just stirring things up. When God passes by, do not be surprised because when God passes by, he shifts things and he shakes things. He may not be in those things, but he causes those things to shake you. Our job is not to be mad at God when things get shaken. Our job is not to be mad at God when things get stirred. Our job is to acknowledge who caused the stirring because when God shakes things up on the outside, it's because he's trying to stir something up on the inside. It's just like when your kids acting crazy sometimes you gotta shake them a little bit to get their attention God is allowing everything to happen on the outside of you because he wants to stir something up on the inside of you if you believe it say amen some of y'all get so mad when you shake in God just wants to stir you he wants to move you the God I serve 
will show up to shake you up, to shut you up. <laughs> I ain't want to hear that today. I don't want God to shut me up. Why does God want to shut you up? I know it sounds hard, but why would God want to shut you up? Why do you have to shut up Elijah? So my final point, God will shut you up to hear his voice. I will shut you up to hear his voice. First Kings 19:12 says, after the fire came a gentle whisper and after the fire came a still small voice. When Elijah heard it, listen, he pulled the cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. So before this, we understand that Elijah's posture and his position did not change. He saw all these earthquakes. He saw all this wind. He saw all this, all this fire, yet he was not moved until he heard the whisper. Listen to what I said. Elijah saw earthquakes. He saw wind and he saw fire. How many of y'all knew earth, wind, and fire was in the Bible? See what I did there? He feared the earthquake. He feared the wind. He feared the fire. But he was moved by the voice. The Bible says that when he heard the whisper, he pulled his cloak over his face and he moved to the mouth of the mountain. He was scared of the earth, wind, and fire, but he was moved in a moment of silence. What if I told you that God allows noise in your life so that when the dust settles, his whisper will stand out to you. Could you imagine how loud it is for a wind to tear apart a mountain? Imagine how loud that would be. Could you imagine how loud it would be with the rumblings of an earthquake? Could you imagine how loud a roaring fire would be? But God is not in those things. He waits till those things subside because you've gotten so used to listening to noise. He allows a moment of silence so that his whisper stands out to you. This is the voice of the Lord. He wants his whisper to stand out to you. What you need to understand is that noise prepares you for silence. I love my daughter. When my daughter got her little friends over, and they're all girls. Little girls, y'all know, parents already know what I'm about to say. Little girls, and they get in the room, they just start screaming for no reason. Ah, 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 ah. I'm like, what are y'all screaming for? What you screaming for? And I be like, yo, I can't wait till everybody else's children go home so I can get a little peace, quiet. Noise prepares you for silence. As a matter of fact, you welcome silence when you're surrounded by noise. 
I'm just preaching what's in the word, man. See, if everything is always loud in your life, you're going to respond to quiet differently. If everything is always violence in your life, you're going to respond to peace differently. If everything is always negative in your life, you're going to respond to positive differently. That's why there's certain people in this room, they've ne no one's ever spoken a positive word over their life. So when they finally get one, they're like, oh, I never heard that before. So you have to respond differently. If everything in your life is hate, you're going to respond to love differently. That's why I know people love this church. Because they've got enough hate on the world outside already. So you came to a house like this because you respond differently to love. You're watching a house like this online because you're responding to love differently. When everything around you was death, you respond to life differently. See, Elijah, he found life in a moment of silence. Elijah, in a moment of silence, heard the still small voice of God and he let go of fear and he grabbed hold of faith again. Elijah, in a moment of silence, found direction, found renewed strength, found purpose. How do you respond in a moment of silence? 1992, it was August 28th, one day before my birthday. Florida would have never been the same because on that day, a category five hurricane by the name of Hurricane Andrew rocked this state. And I'll never forget it because I was 11 years old, the same age that my daughter is right now. And I was terrified because I'd never been through a hurricane before. And my dad, you know, his dad like macho man, you know, he, he's bored up. He's like, ah, don't worry, we're going to ride out the storm mine. I was like, okay. But the way they made things seem, they, they were like, yo, everybody going to die. This the biggest hurt. I mean, they, I mean, you know how news is. Everybody buying water and toilet paper. I still don't know why everybody buying toilet paper, but people just buy crazy stuff. So news hyped it up. But man, this one deserved to be hyped. Category five. Wind sustained of 175 miles per hour. By the time Hurricane Andrew was done, there was $26 billion in property damage. That was back in 1992. In today's currency, that would be $45 billion. By the time Hurricane Andrew was done, there were, I want to get this right, but around 26,000 completely destroyed homes and there were over a hundred thousand homes that were in desperate need of repair after and 65 people passed in that storm I'll never forget that night though as me and my entire family were huddled up in our living room and my dad he had like <laughs> you know he wants to be like storm watcher McGee so he was like he drilled holes in like the plywood so we could like look outside so I'm a kid, man. I'm like, I want to see. And I look, man, I never forget the color of the sky. It was like a weird olive green. I'll, I'll never forget seeing the lightning strike and it would finger off in so many different directions. I'll never forget the wind, man, the sound of the wind. It was scary because I could hear it ripping trees in half. 
It was a howl. It's a sound I will never forget. I could hear things banging against the house. At one point we all jumped because something slammed against that same piece of plywood that we had the hole drilled in. I couldn't forget to hear the sound of my mother praying, Lord Jesus, save us in the name of Jesus. It's praying all night. I know my mama, that's what she do. That's why I know her house is all right. Mama, it's like, like I, I told you, my mama was gone for too long. I thought the rapture happened and I got left behind, man. Mama was there, mama was okay, I was okay. Mama was praying. Dad's looking for batteries for the flashlight. I'm peeking out a hole, looking at a sky and wind that terrified me. And it was so intense, I couldn't sleep because I was consumed by fear of what could happen. And as in depth and as in detail as I just described that storm to you, you know what I remember most about Hurricane Andrew? The morning after. I have never seen a day like the morning after Hurricane Andrew. It was the most peaceful day I had ever seen. No more sounds of wind. There was not one cloud in the sky. Not a car on the road to honk a horn. There may have been fallen trees and down power lines, but I, I don't know what it was. There was a beauty about that day that I cannot ever forget. But you know what the best part about it was? When I walked out in the silence, I began to notice something. People in their houses, they began to come out. And as people began to come out their houses, neighbors I had known for years, some I had never ever met before in life, everybody came out. They're like, man, you okay? You all right? Man, let me, let me help take this debris off your house. Man, let me, let me get this stuff off your car. Hey, we got a generator over here. Hey, we got some gas over here. Hey, we already lit the grill up over here. Hey, everybody began to help one another. And there was a synergy, a teamwork in the community I had never ever experienced before. It's so interesting that that was the result after the storm. I just wish somebody would listen to me today because I preach a message like this and you say, I want that moment of silence. But right now I am trapped in the middle of a storm. The wind is raging, pastor, I'm scared. The lightning is crashing, pastor, I'm scared. My marriage is falling apart, pastor, I'm scared. I don't even know if I leave this room, if I'm gonna have a job tomorrow, I'm scared. Do I have COVID? Don't I have COVID? I'm scared. Should I wear a mask? Should I not wear a mask? I'm scared. Should I get the vaccine? Should I not get one? I'm scared. What's happening in my, in my homeland of Haiti, man? It's crazy. I'm scared. Politics is crazy, man. I'm scared. It's why you came to this place today. It's why you watching online today. Because after the storm, you need a moment of silence because in a moment of silence you realize that God is closer than you ever imagined he's so close to you 
he doesn't have to be loud with the storm to get your attention. He doesn't have to be loud with the chaos to get your attention because he's so close to you. He's so close. He can be in your ear and he can whisper, son, I love you. Daughter, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Son, fear not. I am with you. Son, it's going to be okay. I made you. I know what I put in you. Daughter, don't be weary. Don't get weary in doing good. For in due season you will not. You will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Daughter, I knit you together in your mother's womb. I know each and every one of your days before any one of them came to be. You see, sometimes God has to show himself to shut you up so that when he whispers in your ear, you realize how close he truly is to you. God has not abandoned you in the storm. He's with you in the storm. It was just so loud, you couldn't hear him. That's why you need a moment of silence. Because in a moment of silence, you realize how close God is. And this is the God that I serve. Because that's exactly the way that he's been trying to speak to us through his word. God will show himself. And in moments, he'll be very loud only to get you to focus on when he's actually speaking to you. He does this in verse after verse, in book after book, in chapter after chapter. That's why I can read you an Old Testament story that sounds loud, that sounds scary, only to get you to focus on the grace of Jesus that is wrapped up in that story. It's subtle, and if you're not paying attention, you may miss it. This is why we have verses like Romans 6.23 that says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Did you just hear what I said? The first half of that verse is loud. For the wages of sin is death. That's scary. That's loud. That doesn't feel good because that's the law. And God shows us in this book he shows us the law first to get our attention, but he follows it with the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. God gets our attention in the Old Testament, but then because the Old Testament is so loud, the New Testament comes into play and reveals his grace because now we're paying attention. If we never had the law that was loud, we would never pay attention to the quiet whispers of the grace of Jesus. Man, I wish you could just get that today. I, and I could, uh, listen, I'm not asking you for, the, for, for call and response. I just I want, I want that to resonate in somebody's spirit today. There's things in this word that are very loud in order to get you to pay attention to the grace of Jesus. The God I serve, he came to give life, life more abundantly. Can you hear him? Gio, can you hear him speaking to you? Carenzo, can you hear him speaking to you? 
Norma, can you hear him speaking? Can you hear him? Susanna, can you hear him speaking to you? Andre, can you hear him speaking? He's speaking. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I know I usually end with a shout, but I wanted to end with a whisper because I don't want you to focus on my voice. I want you to focus on the voice of God, a still small voice that's speaking to you right now. If you're in this place today and you're online and you say, I've been through the storm, the storm is loud, but now I understand God was only trying to get my attention so that I could focus on his whisper. Say, Pastor, I just need Jesus in my life. I want to be so in tune to him, I could hear him at all times. I'm tired of listening to the world that is loud. I want to listen to the still small voice of my God. If you want Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you're tired of listening to the law that is loud, but you want to finally hear grace that approaches you like a gentleman, like a whisper. If you want the grace of Jesus to reign all over your life right now, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand, whether you're in this room or not. You say, I need Jesus in my life. Here we go. One, two, three. Hold it up. Hide off long enough for me to see you. I see you, 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 you. This is scary and this is bold, but it's real. If your hand's up, stand up. Hands up, stand up. It's like, oh, man, I can't, man. You came this far. Hands up, stand up. Nobody's looking around. And if you made that decision, I want you to come down to this altar right now. I just want to pray with you. I just want to pray. Don't worry about what people are doing. Don't worry about what people This This is between you and God. Some of y'all have been in the loudness of life long enough. It's time for you to hear that still small voice. Come. Come right down to this altar. Come. You stay right there. I see you. You stay right there. Jesus. God bless you. I got you. Hey, how you doing? I'm a, maybe if I do, how you doing? You all right? <laughs> God bless you. Let me get some prayer team down here real quick. Here's, here's, here's what I'm going to say. Don't be so caught up in the flash and the loudness of life that you miss the whisper of God. Don't have to move. God's not going to move the way you want him to. Oftentimes, he's going to do stuff that you didn't even expect, but he's only doing it to get you to really focus on hearing his voice. I'm so proud of y'all for making that decision. I see y'all back there. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I want everybody in this room to stand up with me right now. And I want you to reach your hands towards family. And a couple of you back there, just reach your hands in that direction towards the corner because there's some folks back there. I've gone longer than I should, but man, if this is why, I'm thankful that people met Jesus today. I want everybody in this room to repeat this prayer after me. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, he is raised from the dead, you're going to be saved. Everybody in this room, everybody online, the same thing for them, it goes for you too. Don't just say this, mean this in your heart. And I promise you, you'll begin to hear the still small voice 
of God. Everybody say, Dear Jesus, I've sinned, not proud of it, but I admit it. Today, I lay my sin down. Take it, I pray. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven to receive your forgiveness and take the place of my sin. I ask that you would accept me into your wonderful family. Today, I give my life completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Yeah, you should clap there. That's good. Here's what I want to say to you guys and those watching online. If you made that decision, you're a brand new creation. And I'm so thankful that God has gotten your attention. But lean into his voice. He always wants to speak to you. He's always loving on you. He always wants you to know how important you are to him. We celebrate salvation at Cool Church. I don't want you to just make a decision like that and we don't explain what's going on. So, um, actually, I love it. You got a sign. Look, look, my sis got a, a sign right in her hand that says, you were created out of love. We used to have a sign that said, you are family. And that is true. And I wish I could show you what's happening in heaven. I wish I could open up this ceiling and you could see the party that's going on and all of your honor right now online and in this room. But here's what I want you to do. I want to make sure that team is like praying with you give you some information if you don't want to pray cool but if you want this information we got a free gift i want to make sure that you get on the count of three i'm asking them to clap as loud as they can for you because i want i want y'all to hear what heaven sounds like and then you're gonna follow my sis all right and we're gonna clap as you go if you came with them they did not get raptured they will be in the lobby right after service okay i promise it's fine okay so we go because i want y'all i want like when i tell you heaven is turning up for y'all right now Oh man, I want you to hear it. So here we go. Let them know how much heaven is sharing for you. Here we go. One, two, three. Go. Let them know. Let them know. Let them know. God loves them. Let them know. Their sons and daughters. Let them know. for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you've heard, please consider sharing it with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And always remember that you were created out of love.